Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Please kindly move forward. And try your best not to have any gaps in between. Allah reward you for making your effort. Let's, let's fill up the gaps and come as close as possible. And as always, let's renew our intention. We're here only for Allah Azza wa Jal with the intention of pleasing Him, bringing a change in our lives, taking full benefit from the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whatever good we hear, we make niyyah immediately to put into practice. And whatever we can, we will share. Our, we will try our best to share uh, with others. And additionally, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we have come here, since we have come here as talibin, as people who are looking for answers, we ask Allah Azza wa Jalla to allow us to find the answers to our issues and problems, answers to our questions, inshaAllah, in, in, in this gathering. And the more humility and humbleness we ask Allah Azza wa Jalla with, we will be amazed at what type of answers Allah Azza wa Jalla will grant us. سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا إنك أنت العليم الحكيم سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا إنك أنت العليم الحكيم سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا إنك أنت العليم الحكيم اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا ما علمتنا وزدنا علما وعملا اللهم نور قلوبنا بعلمك واستعمل أبداننا لطاعتك ووفقنا لما تحب وترضى من القول والعمل والنية والهدى إنك على كل شيء قدير يا وهاب يا وهاب يا وهاب يا فتاح يا فتاح يا فتاح يا جبار يا جبار يا جبار أما بعد قال الله سبحانه وتعالى لكل أمة جعل لا من سكنهم ناسكه فلا ينازعنك في الأمر ودع إلى ربك إنك لعلى هدى مستقيم وإن جادلوك فقل الله أعلم بما تعملون الله يحكم بينكم يوم القيامة فيما كنتم فيه تختلفون ألم تعلم أن الله يعلم ما في السماء والأرض إن ذلك في كتاب إن ذلك على الله يسير ويعبدون من دون الله ما لم ينزل به سلطانا وما ليس لهم به علم وما للظالمين من نصير وإذا تتلى عليهم آياتنا بينات تعرف في وجوه الذين كفروا المنكر يكادون يصطون بالذين يتلون عليهم آياتنا قل أفأنبئكم بشر من ذلكم النار وعدها الله الذين كفروا وبئس المصير الله عز وجل منشنز last week we talked about uh, the last one of the final verses we talked about how Allah Azza wa Jal is, is reminding us of something that no other being has ever claimed in a logical proper sense that I can give you life and I can give you death and then I am the one who's going to raise you up this is undisputed only Allah who has made this claim no one even tried making this claim just this will fail right so this is undisputedly Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's domain other people they claim other things they claim to, of course, run the world and this and that. And Allah Azza wa Jal, as a test, allows them to uh, act as though they are running the world. But a day will come where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, At that time, it will, on the Day of Judgment, it will become apparent that full control is in, only in the hands of Allah. Well, full control is only in the hands of Allah today as well. But it makes, it's made to seem sometimes, for those who cannot see and read through the, you know, cannot read between the lines, that it is only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in today as well who is in control. Uh, but people are allowed to sometimes um, fall into this deception. 
that deception will be removed on the day of judgment. But when it comes to the aspect of creating and then giving death, and then recreating again, this is some, something that no one else has ever claimed. Well, when no one else has ever claimed and no one, if, if no one made a substantial claim back with some sort of proof, why, how can we then ever worship or give preference to anyone's command besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Inna al-insana al-kafur It's indeed human beings are extremely, unbelievingly, unbelievingly ungrateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That when his life is in the hands of Allah, his death is in the hands of Allah, his resurrection is in the hands of Allah, how can he still forget Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? It's like someone, you know, you say, I've got your passport, I got your keys, I got, I got uh, your, your boarding pass, I have your wallet, I, have, I got your suitcase, I got your hand carry, everything is by me. And you forget me and you're, you're traveling through, you know, you check in and go. Then after I say, oh, we had one other guy here, where's he go? Right? When they ask, how could you possibly forget someone who's got all your belongings? For example, we see in this. So, someone who is from the beginning to end, from 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 would you from bringing you into existence, from non-existence, then from existence into death, and non-existence, and then from non-existence back into existence. This is why Allah Azza wa Jalla says, "Rabbana He will say, "Oh Allah, you have given us death twice, and you have given us life twice." It's mentioned in the 24th Jews. What does it mean death twice and life twice? Death here means the life before we came into this world. That is referring to as death. That was one non-existence. Then the first life is which we have right now. And the next death is the one will happen which we move on to the, the barzakh, the middle, middle world. And then we'll be resurrected back. That will be the second life. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us both of these things. Inna insana la kafur. How is it possible uh, that a person can remember me and yet be ungrateful. Uh, either you don't remember Allah at all, or if you're remembering Him, you're not being grateful to Him. In both of those, in both instances, this is absolute kufr. If you remember what kufr meant, kufr, you've heard many times, kufr is to, uh, linguistically speaking, is the, the covering up of the seed. A kafir, a farmer who covers up the seed in the ground so that it germinates and it grows into something, uh, a plant, a tree, so forth. That's called a kafir. A'jab al-kuffar Kafir, a farmer. In this case, mentioned in Surah, what's this? Um, hadith. So, kafir is called a kafir because he is taking Allah's blessing and he's hiding it and he's saying, I don't owe anything to Allah. I don't know, everything is from myself. Like you give the example of a young a baby, infant, child, you give him a candy, you give him five candies. You say, okay, fine, can I have one back? And what will this kid do? He'll put it in his pocket, he'll put it behind his back. He says, I don't know what candy you're talking about. I, don't, I have nothing. He says, I just gave it to you. He says, no, it's not, it's not there. I think this kid's, that's how they, he, you, you, you might laugh at all, but he's not laughing. He genuinely, he's trying to see if he can get away with this. So this is how it's done. Allah gives us everything and Allah says, can I have from the $100 you have, I want 2.5%. $2.50. So that you can help your fellow brother. And some sadaqah, so you can help the rest, non-Muslims too. But he says, no, for what? This is all mine. What do you mean it's all yours? Everything you got is from Allah Azza wa Jal. What is that supposed to mean? It's all mine. Same thing. This is called a kafir. لِكُلِّ أُمَّةٍ جَعَلْنَا مَنْ سَكَنْ For each faith community, ummah, each faith community, جَعَلْنَا, we have appointed, 
Mansakan sacred rites. Hum nasikuhu, hum which they nasikuhu must devoutly observe. So every ummah, every faith community, we have created for them mansak, sacred rites. Hum nasikuhu that they have to devoutly observe. فَلَا يُنَازِعُنَّكَ فِي الْأَمْرِ So as to the unbelievers, يُنَازِعُنَّ مُنَازَعَةً means to argue, dispute. Do not let them draw you into any dispute over this matter. What a beautiful translation. Do not allow yourself to get caught off guard and dragged into their arguments and to their debates. Alright? Do not let them draw you into any dispute over this matter. وَدْعُوا إِلَىٰ Do what you've got to do. O Rasulullah Wasallam. Rather call to the way of your Lord. Do not... Listen to this noise on the right and the left, front and back. Focus on your job of moving forward and inviting people towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Do not worry about this one and that one. Invite towards your Lord. For indeed you are most surely upon a path of straight guidance. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here is mentioning here that every single... Uh, there are many ways of reaching Allah. You have salah, which is a mansak. You have psalm, which is a mansak. Not mansafa, mansak. Okay? So we have salah that is a mansak, yani a method of reaching Allah. We have prayer, uh, we have fasting, we have zakat, we have hajj. All of these things are commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you can implement in your life and follow any of these, or all of these rather, in the accordance of the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ to reach Allah. So in mansak in another form, another translation would just simply be ibadah. Look, Nabi alayhi salatu salam has mentioned hadith. He says, أَرَأَيْتُمْ لَوْ أَنَّ نَحْرًا بِبَابِ أَحَدِكُمْ يَغْتَصِلُ مِنْهُ كُلَّ يَوْمْ خَمْسَ مَرَّاتِ هَلْ يَبْقَى مِنْ دَرَنِهِ شَيْءٍ قَالُوا لَا يَبْقَى مِنْ دَرَنِهِ شَيْءٍ قَالَ فَذَاكَ مِثْلُ الصَّلَوَاتِ الْخَمْسِ يَمْحُ اللَّهُ بِهِنَّ الْخَطَايَا Rasulullah sallallahu says, he asks, O oh people, do you think if you have a river uh, or a stream in front of any one of your doors in which you take a bath in every single day five times, would, you, would it be possible to have any filth left on your body and they said no no filth will remain on the body if he goes to take a bath in the stream five times a day the prophet then said that is the example of the five daily prayers through which allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will wipe away the sins all right so mansak every single day you have an option just coming to the masjid for fajr or duhr or however many prayers you can make it you are washing off your sins a person through a salah before you get to salah you've got your wudu through that already the sins are being washed off. Right? If you st- feel so much sukoon, peace, peace of mind. Okay. And then salah will give you, like you're confused about something. What should I do? You do fresh wudu, come to the masjid, pray two rakat, salatul istikhara, salatul hajjah, sit down, do some dhikr, raise your hand, make dua. All of a sudden it feels like you've, a light has turned on in you. Now you can all of a sudden start thinking, you know what? This is what I got to do. I was so confused. Just simply coming, doing wudu, performing salah, and asking Allah for help, you feel your heart is being guided. Whoever believes in Allah, Allah will guide his heart. Allah will guide his heart. If you want guidance of what to do next, turn to Allah, believe in Allah, Allah will guide you of what you need to do. And then, what else? Salah will give us peace of mind. Salah will give us the ability to make proper decisions, will give us um, happiness. Because in salah includes so many things from amongst which I am speaking with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It includes dhikr, it includes dua, it includes concentration, devotion. So this is one aspect of prayer, one aspect of mansak. Then you have the fasting. 
that you're leaving your food and drink. How refreshing Ashura fast and the day and before and the day after. However many days Allah gave you and I tawfiq to fast. How refreshing it was. You feel really genuinely spiritually charged up. In Hajj, those who were blessed to go for Hajj, how did they feel coming back with all the sacrifices they went through? 120, 115 degree temperature, right? Walking miles, dehydration, tiredness, so forth. But that physical weakness led only to spiritual strength. All of these things are manasik. So now when a person, when a person understands that this is what I have got to do, this is my, this is my way of life, then he will begin to devoutly observe it. Who doesn't devoutly observe it? Who thinks this is not his thing to do? He thinks there's many other things in life, many other ways, many other priorities. My beloved friends, this is the number one priority is our mansak towards Allah, our ibadah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, focusing on our relationship with Him. فَلَا يُنَازِعُنَّكَ فِي الْأَمْرِ Ya Rasulullah, do not focus, do not be worried about these people who don't listen to you. They don't believe in your message. They criticize you. Do not even allow them to drag you into a debate. Right? Leave them to their Allah. You need to continue inviting the people who have there is hope. They're not, they're willing to listen. L- invite them. Focus on them. And you shouldn't have to worry about the naysayers. I'm telling you, innaka la hudam mustaqim. Indeed, you are for sure, more surely upon a path of straight guidance. Innaka, indeed, for emphasis. Lam for emphasis. Ala. And he didn't just say you are muhtadin, you are guided, rightly guided. He said, Ala, you are on top of the path of guidance, straight guidance. Hudan means guidance. Not it, but beyond that, it's mustaqim. It's straight. There's no zigzag in there. It's one and the same. The, the color of Islam, the views of Islam have been consistent. We're not, we're not, we're alhamdulillah, Islam is not, you know, reactionary. What you and I believe, our belief system, it's not like we are being obsessed about something. We are simply saying what we've always said. And our books have all these things written. The books of fiqh, the books of hadith, the, the tafsir of the Qur'an. Whatever any bayan, khutbah, talk, lecture, khatira that you give today, where is it from? It's coming from the same original sources. It's mustaqim, it's straight. There's, when, you have, uh, when you have a business that advertises itself as just open yesterday, how people, how are excited people are as opposed to a business that says in business for 10 generations, 150 years, 200 years. Like, wow, you know, old is gold. This is the real deal. You know, what, grandma's recipe. Everyone gets excited. No one gets excited that I, this is the latest, you know, thing I just figured out in my basement. No, they want to hear fourth generation recipe of chocolate chip cookies. It gets exciting. It's the same thing, but subhanAllah, it's a way of marketing. You say fourth generation, right? So, when you, when you have Islam that has been passed down for centuries and the amount of effort that went into perfecting every single thing, every single possible question, not perfecting, I meant to say that it was Quran was imperfect, but rather perfecting how to answer the question. I mean, the late questions will be coming and now you've got an answer ready. You've got an answer ready. You've got an answer ready. It's not something that we have to recreate a new verse, create a new verse. There's no hadith on this. No. 
Haqqan, whatever Quran and Hadith yani has within it, all of the questions of our, uh, all the answers to other questions will be found there. Yes, you have to do ijtihad. Yes, you have under uh, the guidance of the most, of, uh, you know, uh, uh, well, you know, knowledgeable and God-fearing ulama, a whole massive group of them, rather a huge consensus from amongst them will discuss certain issues which they may not immediately find specific answers to but then in any answer that they come 100% will be from where? it will be in the light of Quran and Hadith that's where the ishtihad comes you don't do ishtihad out of thin air especially those things I want to add one point here those things in which there is clear cut textual evidence about something you cannot do ishtihad there you cannot the difference of opinion uh, between schools of thought and all of that is what? In, our, in, in those areas in which there is no clear text or if there was one clear text there is another equally, equally as strong text that apparently seems different apparently seems contradicting then the fuqaha and the jurists will come and, f- and will tell you how do you understand each of these two apparently conflicting Textual evidences in and place each one of them in their appropriate place. Find a mihmal or find an appropriate application for each of those textual evidences. But for the most part, that which is clear cut, mentioned in Quran Sunnah, this is not a place to do ishtihad. What is shocking today is that we have opened up the door of ishtihad by people who do not have knowledge, at, nor do they have the nur of ilm, nor do they have the amal and practice on that. And they open up the door of ishtihad and things which there is no room for ishtihad. In a sense that these are things that have already been, they're clear. And not for first century and then after that from second century people started arguing. No, these are things that there was no argumentation and discussion about for the most part. For the most part. You always have dissenters. You always have one, two people who have a differing opinion. Let's leave them. But the vast majority of the ummah from the four schools of thought agreed upon a chunk of things. But today, we live in an era of fitna where the four schools of thought are being thrown out and a person says, actually just fiqh is thrown out. Fiqh is thrown out. You have, as soon as you see a scholar, right, or not even a pseudo-scholar, going straight to a text from Quran and Sunnah. What's the answer from Quran and Sunnah? You know there's a problem there. Because this is not the method of our ulama. Yes, if you have a Quran and Sunnah, but you have to with that give the explanation of also the previous generations of this Quran and Sunnah. And you must give any fatwa, ask any from four schools of thought, how do you write a fatwa? When they write a fatwa, they will always have the Qur'an, of course, so a hadith, and then they will definitely have the statements and the verdicts of the fuqaha and the jurists of the past centuries. Starting off from the earliest centuries, moving on till the most recent past or even contemporary muftis. That is how you write a fatwa. But when a person says, no, this is the verse, this is a hadith, and this is my answer. Wait, you are skewing it in any direction you want. That's, that's not right. That's not how it works. I don't want to open up this door, but I could tell you a bunch of ayats of the Quran and Hadith, and uh, you would be shocked. Like, really? The Quran says this? Hadith says this? Yeah, well, because we're leaving it to your interpretation. That's why you're mis- you could easily be misguided. You have to explain the Quran and Sunnah in light of what the ulama of the past and the ulama of today have said. You cannot jump the boat, Quran and Sunnah from 1500 years to today, my, me, myself and I, this is what is the explanation of this verse. When you open up such a door of ishtihad where there's no place for ishtihad, and you are literally skipping 15, year, 15 centuries of scholarship, 
and coming to your highness, you're right? And then this is going to be a problem. What's going to happen? Obviously, it's going to be people are going to be very misguided. Well, a lot of the masail today, you'll see, in which you're seeing uh, things popping up on social media or mas- things happening in Islamic centers, masjids, um, and non for profits doing things that you're like, wait, really? Is this legit? Where's the proof? Where's the proof? Don't just show me a Quran verse, first of all. Most of them is no. Tell me this explanation. Don't tell me one random person in the fourth century in some small book and that written at the bottom in the footnotes, you found one thing. No. Give me a large group of ulama within the four schools of thought who have said that this is the explanation of this verse or the explanation of this hadith. Let's bring that. And if a person says, let's throw out the fiqh for a second, then brother, let's throw out this discussion. This is what it means. Please. Let's save your time, get off this social media platform, get off this panel, and do your work. Go, to the, go outside from Maghrib to Isha, call people to the masjid. I do something else better. Then sit here and speak to someone who says, what? Throw out tafiq. Throw out the statements of the fuqaha. Leave it. I'm going to go straight. This is my explanation. It doesn't work like that. This is my beloved youngsters. I want you to understand this. If you, this is the first time you come into tafsir, or the last time you come into tafsir, whatever it is, just understand this. If you throw out tafiq, if you throw out 15 centuries worth of scholarship, you don't need shaitan to come misguide you. You will not. You yourself will misguide yourself. It just simply doesn't work. You cannot take Quran. We are, we have no ilm, we, and we have no tazkiyah, we have no spirituality. And you're gonna tell me then open up a dictionary and try to figure out what a verse means? That's how the Islamophobes come up with their crazy things. That's how the, the you know, those who are unread or uh, uneducated, <clears throat> uh, what you call Christians or Jews who are trying to attack Islam, they say they're crazy. You're like, what? Where did you get that from? Because that's where they, they went online, they checked up some skewed translation of the Quran, and they just came up with their own meaning. Right? And we don't need to get into that whole examples of that. But there's enough examples that probably you've come across. So any opinion, new opinion that's coming, make sure we have to check, do a fact check. Fact check. Where is the, where is the proof? Where is the proof? Then when someone gives you the proof, you gotta go. When someone, when someone, uh, like simple thing is an X-ray. Simple people, simple thing is an X-ray. It's like it's a picture of your bones, right? For example, a picture of your organs. Can you read it? I don't know how to read it. I can look at it. I don't know what's going on with it. That's why someone gets paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to simply look at that. So if someone even gives you a fatwa, do you have what it takes to understand the fatwa? How do you sit there and realize to what degree is this authentic and what degree is this, you know, uh, what you call uh, not authentic or misrepresentation of the facts? I, I have actually seen this happening. May Allah protect me and you from uh, what you call such people of so-called knowledge that are misled and misleading other people. Uh, a, a small short video where a person took a, uh, a, a coded a, a text from the Hanafi fiqh and was trying to prove the permissibility uh, of music. So I said, what, what, what I, have to, I can't believe this. But I was Sana'i, I was coding, but I was Sana'i. I said, let me take this text. Go, I go and find that text in the, in the book. And subhanAllah, it was just completely... Uh, you know, I won't even call it cherries are nice. I like cherries, so I don't want to say cherry picking. This is like rotten food, bacon picking. Can I you say that? Right? Haram bacon picking. That it was just, it was completely taken out of context. The, he was talking about music. The very next line, he's saying that, uh, the imam says that, hence it is permissible to break 
musical instruments for the, because it is, it is absolutely not regarded as, as mal. It's not regarded as, as something which is, can be bought and sold. So he took a sentence, you know, uh, from that book and literally skipped the next three lines that were actually saying that this is not permissible. He just mentioned A, didn't mention B, and then the whole conclusion. And there's a video about it. And posting, why would you do that? Subhanallah. May Allah save us from this type of inhiraf and this type of misguidance. And that's why, now if you hear this, you can't, what do our people do? You, if you have any, if you have love for Allah, love for the deen, you're gonna say, wow, this is an interesting fatwa I never heard. Let me go get this checked by another one. But today, guys, they don't do that. They say, oh, I got this fatwa that says music is permissible, mixing is permissible, dancing is permissible, uh, you know, wearing revealing clothing is permissible, wearing tight clothing is permissible, you know, taking riba is permissible, first house, second house, first business, second business is permissible. All these fatwa, and you name it, the list goes on. And they say, where'd you find this? Well, I found it on TikTok, I found it on Instagram, I found it some in Bay. You will find anything and everything you want. You go out in the marketplace, you'll find it. If you look hard enough, you know where to look, you'll find it. You can find anything. Is that what the deen is about? So where's the sincerity? If you find something, when they say it's too good to be true, yes, true, because it's not true. Right? We say it's not true. When something is all of a sudden becoming permissible in 25, 30, 40 years, you heard it was impermissible. What's going on? Go see. Do not sit there and just follow one person who says something is permissible, which was always regarded as impermissible. Where are the masses? Where is everyone else going? Where are the ulama of not just masses of today, of the past centuries? So the reality is those people who, do, who, do, who follow these type of opinions, they're not wanting to follow the truth. They're wanting to find anyone who can approve their shahwa, approve their desires, just stamp. Just go get me a stamp, fatwa, khalas. What we call fatwa shopping, right? So if a person does not want to search for the truth, then guess what? You're not going to find the truth. That's what you get. That's what you deserve. Because you never were out there to find the truth. But if you're there looking for the truth and something just hits you, like, ah, this doesn't, I'm not sure about this. Let me get the second check. Would you do that with your own x-ray? Just sit there and read it yourself? No. If someone says, you're in immense pain, and someone says, there's nothing wrong with you. It's your imagination. Then you say, you know what, let me go to another doctor. At least you get a second opinion, third opinion. In the deen, it's something way beyond your physical health. It's the life of eternity, whether you're going to Jannah or Jahannam. It's a serious issue about the life in the grave. Where, where, what's going to be happening? Is it going to be a pit of hell or a garden from the gardens of Jannah? It's not a small issue. So my dear friends, please treat our deen more than you love your car and you would not get a $5 oil change of someone on, under a bridge who, who's offering a $5 oil change. You wouldn't do it. So similarly, do not let your deen be hijacked. Do not let anyone change the oil on your deen. Uh, be careful. Pay premium. You get premium oil, Similarly for the deen as well, get a proper, you know, uh, uh, get the proper checkup that requires and make sure whatever opinion you're following, that there is some standing. As long as you are within the four schools of thought, alhamdulillah, that's why many ulama have said, it's, all, it's as though there's consensus on the fact that if an opinion is within the four schools of thought, inshallah, you'll be on haqq. And not one person within the four schools of thought, but a large group of ulama that were of this opinion. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide us and this is very tough times we live in here. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is being told when you people who don't care about guidance are arguing with you, then do not sit there and waste your time with them. Move on. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, قُلْ سَيْهَا ذِي This is my path. I invite towards Allah. عَلَى بَصِيرَةً With absolute deep wisdom and foresight. 
myself and those who follow me. Well, subhanallah, glory be to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, free and uh, he is from any uh, uh, faults. I'm not from the uh, polytheist. Meaning, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling the Prophet that your job is to constantly be inviting. Don't let people on the side distract you or hurt your message. Continue doing that. So this is beautiful uh, advice for all of us here. My dear students, dear brothers, youngsters, some of you want to do good work in the community. You want to start up a non-for-profit or you want to join up a non-for-profit. You have got a great idea. Mashallah, go ahead with it. Make mashura, take guidance of your parents, take guidance of a teacher, of a scholar, and go for it. The naysayers will continue to say stuff. Don't worry about it. And then they will argue and they won't stop. You will be finished also. Like you, and they will still, yani you will be starting to do work and you will have completed your first year of amazing work and their t- chatter will not stop. That's how the system is. There are some people who have been created. Seems as though they've just been, they're there, their job is to put obstacles in people's you know, progress. They're stuck. They cannot progress themselves and so they cannot see anyone else progressing. So their job is to constantly bicker and argue and call out people for no reason. They don't have provide solutions. It's just negativity, pessimism for everything. And it's actually, it's their own, um, their own weakness their own low self-esteem, um, their own low self-confidence, their own failures in life, which makes them bitter. And that bitterness, they spew it out upon everyone else. So you need to realize that when you hear these type of statements, do not let it dishearten you. Do not let it break your heart. You just move forward. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has chosen you to do some great work, mashallah, then this is a glad tiding, and, and do not let anyone come in your way. As long as... It is according to the sunnah, according to the, again, the methodology in the proper way in light of the Qur'an and sunnah and the experience and the teachings of the ulama. Bismillah. You know, go for it. So, Allah says, Have you seen that person who is stopping a servant when he prays? Has you seen, have you seen that one who belies Islam and the religion of Islam? And he sits there and he mistreats orphans? Allah Azza wa is saying, look at him. How, why would you ever talk to this man who's stopping people from praying? Who's stopping people from uh, helping orphans? He doesn't feed the orphan and he doesn't let anyone else feed. They don't do the work themselves and they don't let others do it. I'm telling you, this is a big problem. It's a cancer in our community. Big cancer. Big cancer. People don't do the work of deen and they don't want anyone else to do it. It's so sad. So when you see that, you just got to recognize it's a cancer and move on. You don't sit there and say, you don't, you don't allow yourself to get stopped by this negativity. You just keep on moving. Balke, is it, is it, it's not even worth your time to sit there and, and answer. Because you could have done, you could have helped two other brothers who are waiting to be t- given a ride to the masjid. Two other brothers. Do you know how many people wanting to accept Islam every day? Every day, subhanAllah. Without even making any effort, people just walking in. Please, guide us through Islam. Give us a book. Give us a translation of the Quran. Can I, when can I come and listen? This, that. It's unbelievable. Seriously. I mean, if someone were to... I, I, have, no, I have absolutely no doubt if you were to spend doing da'wah properly, eight hours, every single day, you probably have 10 to 15 people ready to take shahada. It's just... My youth, there's one youngster here. Jazakallah khairah. I don't know how many, mashallah, converts from his high school is already brought. Maybe five, six in the past few months. He's a 17-year-old. He, does, he hasn't studied deen. 
But mashallah, whatever he knows, he loves to share. Alhamdulillah, he's brought here just last week, he brought one. All the time. So there's so many people waiting. That's, that's where you should spend your time. Or spend your time teaching someone tajweed, teaching, teaching someone how to recite Quran properly, teaching someone how to get off of some addictions. There you go. Don't sit there and waste your time with people who are naysayers. So this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَإِلَّمْ يَسْتَجِيبُوا لَكَ In Surah Al-Qasas. If these people do not accept your invitation, you gave them invited, you tried to invite, join me, this is a good work I'm doing. They said, no, we don't want to. فَعَلَمْ and of course, this is Allah is telling the Prophet Sallallahu Then you should know That the reason they don't want to listen to you Is because they are following their desires Who can be more misled than the one who follows his desires and leaving behind, While leaving behind the guidance from Allah Indeed, Allah shall not guide the oppressive nation Meaning, the one who follows his desires, he is oppressive He's oppressing himself by following his desires my beloved brothers and sisters, meaning, let me explain this again. When someone says, I want, to, I want time with you, I want to discuss what you're doing. Look at who this person is. Does he have amal in his life? Is he, is, he, is he a genuine follower of the truth? Does he try to follow the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ? Is his methodology according to the Quran and sunnah? Then give him your time. But someone whose foundations is not on sunnah, Foundations is not on Quran and Sunnah. He's got completely postmodern liberal ideologies. He is on destruct, d- destroying tradition. And now he's got, he wants to come and debate and argue with you. We, we are not on the same, we're not in the same volume. We're not even the same bookshelf. That's no point. It's really a waste of your time and a waste of my time. You continue doing whatever you do. I've got work to do. I don't have time for this. This is what we're learning from here. That if someone, before you give a chance to sit there and engage with people, look what are their foundations. Their amal, araita, araita. Have you seen? This man is stopping people from praying. Have you seen? This man doesn't want to give to the poor and doesn't want to encourage people to give to the poor. Why you waste time with him? So meaning we are told to look at the amal, the actions of the people before you engage them. Yes, on the other hand, if someone, mashallah, is following the deen, he says, bring me the dalil. I'll take off my head. I'll put my hand in your hand. I, I will repent right now publicly of all the stuff I've done. You bring me the proof. And mashallah, this guy, this person, he's a genuine person. He says, I want to be with the truth. I just, I, I so far have been taught otherwise. So if what you're doing is right, I demand that you explain it to me. Then mashallah, sit down with him. Explain to him. And guess what? If you've realized that what you said was wrong, then apologize to this person and say, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. We're humans. We can all make mistakes. I made a mistake. Done. You know, inshallah, Allah forgive me, I won't do this again. So now what happens, you're dealing with, if you're dealing with someone who is, who is a muttabi'ul haq, who follows the truth, then mashallah, those are the people that we need to engage with. And beloved brothers, we should ask Allah that, we're, that we should be surrounded by such people who love the truth more than anything else, whose loyalty is not to us, but to the truth. We should ask Allah that we are surrounded by such people that who will speak up and remind us and call a spade a spade, a snake a snake and we say, you're right, you're right, but you're, when you're wrong, I'm not going to just simply say you're wrong, you're right just because you're my friend or whatever the case may be. When you're wrong, we're going to let you know you're wrong. That is exactly what the Sahaba, subhanAllah, were. From the likes of Abu Bakr and Umar radiallahu anhu to the people who were, their ra'aya, their public. When, when, when these khulafa would come, and would stand up, if I remember correctly, one of these, from, the, from the first two khalafa, where a Bedouin stood up and said, listen, 
yeah, we're very happy you're a Khalifa. But listen, if you, if we, if you, if you become crooked, we're going to fix you up. Yeah. You're the Khalifa the first day, but we're letting you know you're Khalifa, but that doesn't mean you can change the deen. Right? This is the public speaking up. The public was such. Yani, who was the public? There were special public. There were Sahaba too. Right? They might have been Bedouins, they might have been. But they said, no, our allegiance is to the truth. So we need people like that in, every, in all of our communities. We all need to have such spouses. We need to have such children. We need to have such parents. We need to have such uncles and aunts who will not simply say, you know what, we will just shake our heads and move along with whatever you're saying. But instead, we will, if you do something wrong, we will let you know. We will let you know that you're doing something wrong. And I think that's what the Ummah really badly needs right now. People who are um, loyal to the truth more than anything else. Allah Azza wa Jalla says, وَإِن جَادَلُوكَ فَقُلِ اللَّهُ أَعْلَمُ مَا تَعْمَلُونَ وَإِن جَادَلُوكَ فَقُلِ اللَّهُ أَعْلَمُ مَا تَعْمَلُونَ But if they ever do dispute with you, then say, Allah is most knowing of all that you do. Right? Meaning, uh, you're still trying to drag me into this useless debates. I'm not going to do that. And if you think you are right, you're adamant that you're right, while Rasulullah knows that he's right, then just tell them, Allah knows and Allah is the one who is going to judge. I did my job of inviting. So, you know, in this day and age as well, try your best to mention the truth to people once, twice. If they don't understand, move on. Make dua for them, move on. Because there's so many people out there who are not wanting to argue with you. They just want you to come pluck them out and pick them up. Focus on those people who are stuck in the ditch. Try to pull them out. But if we focus on the people who are going in the opposite direction, and you're saying you're, they're on the road, in, they willingly are going in the opposite direction, and you're begging them, stop, stop, make a U-turn, and they don't want to listen. What can you do? Go, go down and start picking people out of the ditch. They will be much more appreciative. So we have to realize our time is short. Life is short. We have to invest our time, our speech, our actions in the most profitable, highest returning places. This is the dua. Sometimes Allah puts in, you know, I make dua, Ya Allah, you know already whose hidayah is written for. Allow me to work on such people who hidayah is already meant for so that I can get a good return on my investment. Right? Allow such people to come to this madrasa, to this seminary, to this masjid, who you have already written guidance for them eventually. So we just cash out on the, on the commission. They're already going to give. Because that's already there. Everyone's already set. We'd rather have a chance of working on people who Allah Azza wa has already written guidance for. Right? Not to say you will not get effort, a reward for working on people who don't get guidance. But obviously when someone gets guidance, mashallah, you get the ajaris so much more. Allahu yahkum baynakum. Why? Uh, tell them Allah knows best. And tell them Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will judge between all of you on the day of resurrection. About that which you have been disputing. Whether it's the Christians or the Jews or the others from other faiths, whatever ikhtilaf that they have against Islam, say Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who is eventually going to be judging uh, someone. And so we are um, going to stop that. Now, this is another interesting thing today. They say judgment free zone, right? <laughs> they say we, have to, we cannot be judgmental about people. My beloved brothers and sisters, what is this supposed to mean? This is kalima to haqqin urida bihil batil. Kalima to haqqin urida bihil batil. It is true. Allah is the judge and you and I are not the judge. But the goal, this statement is poisonous. What this statement is doing is attacking the very root of one of the most fundamental parts of our deen. Which is known as Amar al-Ma'roof and Nahi'an al-Munkar. 
Invite towards good and forbid from evil. That is mentioned in tens of verses of the Qur'an. This is our obligation. And so this idea of if you prohibit from evil, then you are being what? Judging. What is that supposed to mean? If a police officer does not pull over someone who's speeding, you're judging me that I'm speeding 80, but we're not judging what you're, why you're going at 80, but you are going at 80 in a 40 zone, so you will get a ticket. Then you can explain to the judge, because the police officer is not the judge, but he will still give a ticket. Then your intention is pure, and you are trying to go save a drowning man, try to go explain that to the judge, and maybe he will let you go. I'm not the judge, but I got to do my job. I got to give you a ticket. Otherwise, how's the roads going to be safe if everyone who's going 90, 100 is going to save a man who's drowning in a swimming pool and a man who's having a cardiac arrest? This is what we all the police officers are going to think. Everyone is speeding, is just trying to go save someone. We're going to have a mess. 10 other people are going to die on the road. So, our job is to, ish, to, to kindly just let people know I got to correct you, you got to correct me. This is nahkum bidhahir. We will make decisions based on what meets the eye. And we will let the secrets of the heart, we leave it up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is why if someone has a cross and he dies on his chest, on his, around his neck, he's got a cross, he will not be buried in a Muslim graveyard. Because we're going to judge it based on what, we, what meets the eye. Janazah will not be performed and he will be, you know, placed in a Christian graveyard with whatnot. Because we don't know, maybe right before he died, you know, in a, in a fight, someone beat him or killed him, a'udhu billah, and then just to make him, you know, make his family cry or whatever the case may be, decided to put a, a cross on him. Guess what? Him being buried in a non-Muslim graveyard is not going to harm him. If he was truly a Muslim. That's between him and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, on the other hand, there's a hypocrite, there's a munafiq, there's a non-Muslim act like a Muslim uh, somewhere. And he dies and we bury him like a Muslim performs Salat al-Janazah and we all cry making dua for him when he's a hypocrite, he's not even a believer. He was, he was on a mission of some sort. Well, him being buried in a Muslim graveyard with janaza, Salat al-Janazah being attended by thousands will not be of any benefit to him. We leave the secret of the heart to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We are going to make judgments based on what meets the eye. That's it. So we should not use this word, stop being judgmental. Because this goes against the very foundation of Nahi anil munkar prohibiting from the evil. We have to. That's our job as a Muslim. We don't have police. We don't have any sharia police. We are all part of that. As a father, mother, son or daughter, it's our responsibility. When someone is not praying, it's, if Isha is starting, someone is sitting in the, in the, in the, in the office somewhere or in the, in the lobby, what are you going to say? Bhai, Isha started, come. That's what my job is. You, oh, you, what are you being judgmental for? Because what do you mean? That's my job. If Isha started and you're sitting there, it's not being judgmental. It's my job to wake you up. To say, maybe you didn't hear the adhan. You didn't hear the iqama. Maybe you got headphones and you don't know what's going on. But on the flip side of it, yani, you tell me that actually, you know, you got some excuse. Or you say, I prayed, you know, before salah, adhan time, you know, whatever, before the jama'ah, I already had prayed after adhan. Okay, thank you then. You know, that's it. You just all have to say that. But my job is if I see something, I have to mention it. This is not the job of an alim only or imam. In our homes, eh, and everywhere else, the same thing has to be. If we see something wrong, we must speak up. And my beloved brothers and sisters, when we as a community start giving a, turning a blind eye, we're talking about what, we talk about what's happening, vulm to the Muslims. Look what's going on in the past two days in India. Right? I mean, look what's happening in China. Latest, every, it's, it's so depressing, right? That's why most of the time we don't read this stuff. If you can't do anything about it, you know, and you can't sit even cry about it, don't sit there and I think it might even be a bigger problem. You sit there and read it and then you just go next to watch Netflix. You know, that's even worse. But I'm saying is, when you see this vulm that's happening in Muslims, for example, 
And what do we say? Why is the world is what? Quiet. How come the world is not speaking up? Well, imagine when Allah's deen is being destroyed. When Sunnah of Rasulullah is being thrown out of the homes. When major commands of Allah are being destroyed, who's speaking up? Same thing. Is, or is the only time some people want to wake up is when this Billah burn a Quran. Some person decides, some maniac decides to burn a Quran. And then we say we're going to burn some cars and tires. But how many times in that same house of this person, salah has been abolished. Haram has become the norm of the day. Every single aspect of his life is a haram. Yes, I'm not denying there should be ghayra. There should be an awakening. And it has to be done in a proper manner. Not in a, uh, in a manner that will become even more detrimental. In a proper manner, definitely people should speak up. But that's not the only thing we have to speak up. When we Muslims ourselves decide to leave behind our deen, that's when we need to speak up. Remember last week I spoke about Muslim weddings. Right? I think it was, yeah, I mentioned about just this some, or two weeks ago, about certain aspects. When you have the entire Muslim community attending and no one's saying anything, then it empowers the generation to say, we can push the limits. Because that's what today is the era of pushing the limits. It's everything about TikTok and Instagram. Push the limits. So if they did it, we're going to outdo them. But imagine if the Muslim community, practicing Muslim community attends, and when they see something, they're going to do a walkout. Like when someone who doesn't like the Palestinian policy or Israeli policy, there's a big meeting going on and some representative comes in. There's a walkout. Some representative of such and such political party shows up. Oh, the opposite party, the walkout. Say, no, we're not going to even listen to this. Yeah? Protest. Where is a protest for not following the deen? Done. When a masjid does something which is blatantly haram, we're going to walk out. We'll go to another masjid. Or when there's a wedding or Islamic event, or a social event happening, blatantly against Islam, we're going to walk out. It's going to be an open letter. Where's the open letters? Out there. Only when a Christian or a Jew or a Hindu does something, we get riled up. What about when your own destroys the deen? I don't know. What do you all think? When our own, subhanAllah, breaks the deen, neglects the sunnah, how do we not stand up for that? And say this is, you know, ownership. I own the deen. I'm sorry, you're misrepresenting it. This is not going to happen. Or I'm not going to be a part of it. This is what you call the ghayra of iman. This is what the sahaba, the sahaba, we always talk about the sahaba, big chunk of the sahaba's lives was, we are loyal to the truth, we will oppose the falsehood who, by who, who we don't care who's with falsehood. If it's our own son, our father, our brother, our spouse, if they're on falsehood, we're going we're gonna to call it out. And sometimes beyond calling it out too. You know? That's what we're talking about. This is the real deen. That a person needs to not simply just get riled up when non-Muslims misrepresent or attack the deen. It's when Muslims themselves do so. My beloved brothers, nahi anil munkar has to happen collectively. When things start happening in our communities, Muslim, the average Muslim person should say, Shaykh, this is incorrect. We have to, you know, set, the, set, the, uh, set it right. That this is how, how uh, this is acceptable, this is not acceptable. أَلَمْ تَعْلَمْ أَنَّ اللَّهِ يَعْلَمُ مَا فِي السَّمَاءِ وَالْأَرْضِ Do you not know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows well, full well, all that is in the heavens and the earth? إِنَّ ذَلِكَ فِي كِتَابٍ إِنَّ ذَلِكَ عَلَى اللَّهِ يَسِيرٍ Indeed, it is in a preserved heavenly book. Indeed, that for Allah is ever so easy. Meaning, should 
the knowledge, the knowledge, the ever-encompassing knowledge of Allah, and the fact that Allah is well aware of what you even think and what you even imagine and what your thoughts are and what your actions are by night as well as by day, public as well as private. Shouldn't that thought make us want to always follow the truth? Shouldn't that thought want us to want us to? Shouldn't that thought make us loyal to the truth instead of loyal to our culture? Loyal to our family, loyal to our community, loyal to a fashion or trend. We know what the truth is. Allah is watching. That's it. So we should speak up and say, "This is how it's got to be," and, uh, and and stay away from that. That's what Allah Azza wa Jalla. Look at how this nicely has been mentioned here. Do you not know that Allah Azza wa Jalla knows what's in the heavens and the earth? If He knows what's in the heavens and the earth, He definitely knows what's in this small, teeny, tiny human being's heart. He knows what his intentions are. He knows his commitment or lack of commitment to the truth. So if you are, if you know that there's a camera watching you, you know that there is speed cameras, how careful you will be. When you know that if this is a human being watching a human being, we have to be so careful. Then what about the creator of humans and the creator of cameras and the creator of the heavens and the earth? When he is watching us, how careful do I need to be? I can deceive the people, but I can never deceive my Allah. He knows my intentions. And this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, that not only does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala know everything, He has actually, for the sake of you, who are going to be in denial tomorrow, He has made sure it's written. Because where, where is the written proof? Well, I have it written. Kitabun marqum. Allah says in Surah Mutafifin, Kitabun marqum. It is in a book, in a, uh, yani, what does it mean, marqum? Marqum means numbered. Numbered, one, two, three, four, five, nine hundred, a thousand. So if you take a book that's numbered and you pull up page 777, and you're flipping through it, 775, 776, 778. Wait, what happened? Even if you pull it, you can, anyone is going to know that there's a page is missing there. So every single page of our book of deeds, for example, is numbered. You cannot delete and remove pages from it. The Loha al-Mahfuz, everything is written. That's one meaning. Another meaning is that all of these things, all of our kitab marqum, our, our books, are, our deeds are all written to the smallest thought is also, every single thing is written, every single movement of the hand, gesture, of a, gesture is written in there. <clears throat> so a person will have to face his own deeds as it comes in many verses of the Quran that you will come face to face with your book of deeds everything will be written because we can be in denial until you show him on the camera uh, the TV screen this is the camera from last night what is he going to do? he can uh, done yes finish you look down I'm okay I'm caught that's what it is every single action every single statement every single utterance every single utterance is written and Allah Azza wa Jal is going to show it to the individual. Inna dalik Ya Allah, typing out every single thing, having every single action of ours written, that's hard. Uh-uh, it's hard for you, easy for Allah. Inna dalik Allah yaseer. This is very, very easy for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to have it all calculated. Wa min dunillah. And they choose to worship other things apart from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. From which Allah, for which Allah has not sent down any authority. 
and about which they do not have any real knowledge. And thus, for the evil wrongdoers, there shall be not any helper against Allah's punishment. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that the disbelievers are worshipping other things, not only other gods, I mean, not only idols, but they actually worship other humans like Isa alayhi salam or others. Or they may actually idol, uh, worship money, things, material things. Allah Azza wa did not send the, allow you to do that. There's no proof for it. Nor do you have any sacred knowledge beyond what Allah has. Like you have a, okay, Allah didn't send it to me, but I got it from somewhere else. What is that supposed to mean? If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't reveal it to you, there's no way you have gotten it from somewhere else. These people who are worshipping besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala deities without any proof, Allah calls them again zalimin. They're oppressors. They are wrongdoers. And wrongdoers, if you oppress someone, don't expect anyone to come and help you. And this individual is oppressing himself. He should not expect that anyone is going to protect him from the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yet when our revealed verses are recited to them, this verse is very, and I remember from childhood, when, and I read this, you know, when I went over the translation of this in like, you know, in 1999, or when the first Quran Tarjuma class, uh, it really hit me. I was just started thinking, wow, this is, this is something you see a lot. And it's not specifically about only, any, although Allah is speaking about disbelievers, but you see this in believers as well, unfortunately, or at least people who claim to be believers. What does Allah say? Yet when our revealed verses are recited to them, as clear evidence that Allah is one, then, or you could say, when clear verses of the Quran are recited to the disbelievers that Allah is one, or when clear verses are revealed to anyone, about Allah says this about zakat. Allah says this about prayer. Allah says this about men and women's rights. Allah says this about hijab. Allah says this about inheritance. Allah says this about divorce. Allah says this about marriage. And so forth. You tell this to people, Ta'arifu, you will recognize fi wujuhilladina kafaru in the faces of those who disbelieve. And we may say, those people who have do not have full faith in the Quran. They claim to be Muslim, but they're not in it. They're cultural Muslim. They don't want to follow the dictates of the deen. They're just born into it. So they are, you know, stuck with that name. When you say this is what the Quran says, you recognize malevolent denial in their faces. There is literally on their face you see anger. You see frustration. You see a sense of absolute... Are you crazy? Like, really? What are you talking about? Munkar. They are absolutely in denial of the truth. They say, no, this is not the Quran. Like, this is every single crazy sect out there. And every single liberal out there, progressive, who is trying to destroy the, the 15, 15 centuries worth of uh, scholarship. He all says, I, I follow the Quran. Because guess what? If you don't follow the Quran, no one's going to allow you to even do anything. Right? They can say, well, you're not a Muslim. So in order to be regarded as a Muslim and to get their agenda, they will always say, we follow the Quran. Oh, everyone, find me any person who's doing the most craziest thing and say, I follow the Quran. Everyone. But again, going back to where I started off my, my, my talk today, is that based on whose interpretation? So when you tell them that this is what the Quran says, this ayah, this ayah, this ayah, this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, 
you'll just see anger in their face. Denial. Can't believe you are a, you know, you're outdated. You're, you're old school. You are, uh, a, a, you know, extremist. You are very narrow-minded. It seems like you're a village mullah. You've just come from where? Did you just get off the boat? You know, somehow the boat left maybe 50 years ago. We just arrived in America right now or what? <laughs> right? With this mentality is takhalluf. It's going backwards. You tell people about, let's, be, let's, let's speak about that white elephant in the room. Right? Uh, about the gender mixing. That's always the white elephant in every place. And if you speak about this, about, 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 you know what will they say? This is takhalluf. Why are you making a big deal about that? You know what? I'll give you a, what I just saw today. There was, a deep, there was an online a TV, uh, there was on Twitter, some, there was a, a anchors asking a democratic um, politician about uh, what do you say about certain issues happening in Texas. So this guy is talking about global warming, eight decades, eight, eight, you know, he's like, I've been there for eight, eight generations, I'm a Texan. I, I was part of my, my family's been in Texas since it was Mexico, part of Mexico. Okay, mashallah, great. He said, there was a time I remember when I used to ride, I could ride the bike in the summer and it would be fine. But now you'll get fried if you go outside. It's so hot. Global, I'm, I, I talked about it. I talked about last week. Natural disasters. I'm with you on it. There's something really wrong. Really, really wrong with the world right now. And it's, it's horrible of what's happening based on what the Quran, Hadith already tells us about natural disasters. Exactly. So he says, we need to worry about making sure the AC is running in the summers and make sure the heat is running in the winter because we had the worst uh, winter storm in Texas and many people died. And so we have to work on the power grid. As you know, that's a big crisis out there. Instead of spending their time in the legislature, uh, legislating laws trying to ban drag queens, ban, um, you know, certain types of LGBTQ uh, education, uh, you know, LGBTQ agendas in the, in the um, school system. And look what this man said. I'm with you on the, on the, on the, uh, the, the, the weather part and the environment and the, the, the energy grid. Come on, that's a no-brainer. But the, what did he say to, uh, regarding the entire effort to stop drag queens being brought in front of second graders and doing a show? He says, why are you all so obsessed about people's private parts? These are his words. And I'm like, subhanAllah, this is exactly what Muslims today will tell other Muslims who speak about the issue of parda and hijab. Why are you always obsessed about women? Why are you always obsessed about a woman's hair? Why are you always obsessed about how people are dressed? Why do you always obsess about who looks at who? Why are you, always, you have a perverted mind yourself? There's something in life more to that. I thought, wow. SubhanAllah, if you're speaking the truth about something, no one denies that there's issue of divorces. No one denies the issue of abuse in the homes. There's no, no one denies the issue of addictions. No one's denying the issue of economy. No one's denying the issue of, you know, un- of people being illiterate. But we have this issue as well. And it's an issue based on the Quran and Sunnah for past 1500 years from the four schools of thought. Where is the proof otherwise that's been passed down from the four schools of thought, generation after generation to what you're doing? But then the response is, why are you being so backwards, outdated, uh, stubborn, um, you know, mutakhallif, fulan, 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 and why are you obsessed with this? Allahu Akbar, this is exactly what these, uh, the left is telling the right. When you say, I don't care what you do, I really don't care about other... I, I, these are my words from my khutbah. Once I said, man, we don't care what happens behind doors. We really, for, for Allah's sake, you know, don't ask, don't tell is our policy. 
We don't care. But stop going around, dedicating a whole month and shoving it down our throats everywhere. That this is what I do. This is what, we don't care. We don't want to know what you do. The, humanity always had people who did this type of stuff. A small group of people. You do whatever you want, but don't come shove it down my throat. And for sure, you better keep your hands off of my kids. Don't mess them up. Don't make them think in your certain ways. That's all we're saying. But what are they going to say to that? No, we got to focus on bigger issues. Stop being focused and obsessed with the private part. Subhanallah. This is what it tells what the hadith mentions. That, صدق الكاذب وكذب الخائن No, sorry. صدق الكاذب وأمن الخائن أصبح المعروفة منكرة والمنكرة معروفة That the one who is the, the biggest liar will be regarded as the most trustworthy. And the biggest treacherous backstabber will be regarded as the most honest person. Falsehood will be regarded as truth. truth. Truth will be regarded as falsehood. Literally, north has become south. South has become north. I mean, who's the one who's obsessed with private parts? Not us. Someone else is. Why would you shove this in? Right now, for those of you who don't know, this is now from this year. The new law has passed in this state. That any library that chooses to push back based on popular demand from the local uh, community, if they choose to pull out a few books of, of LGBTQ type of books from the elementary school, little child's book section, they will be defunded from the state. This has been passed by law in our state now. Now, if you just, one Molana went to Barnes & Noble last week and he posted a, posted a picture of Barnes, what he saw there. It was just crazy. These are five-page, you know, thick cardboard books for little kids who are, not kids, infants to learn, you know, A, B, C. And it's called the, what was it called? Um, the, uh, the alphabet of gays or something like that, right? Or the alphabet LGBT. That's, it's a thick book and that's like the most prominent one right there. And you're telling me if, we, if these type of books are available in my library, which they're not going to be in the back, they're right in front. If, if all of us 50 Muslims from the community say, please, we, we, we come to the library all the time. This is a, even for homeschoolers, this is where we go. I don't want my child to have to see all of this. And due to p- 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 pressure, they pull it, they're going to get defunded from the state. That's already been passed by law here. Subhanallah. So who's obsessed you want to do stuff? You can have your gatherings in your home. You can do it. You can sell tickets. Do whatever you want. Have a big stadium and call all your people. Do stuff. But why are you forcing our young children who have no option but to, to, to watch and sit in class in elementary school, first grade, second grade, and listen to this? My brothers, just recently I gave a Jum'ah khutbah. And, and, you know, and, and I've been speaking about it because schools are starting soon. And I want to alert parents of what's out there in the school district. And right after Jummah, a brother grabbed my hand and said, I need to speak to you right now. He took me behind the mimbar and, and, you know, behind, and he said, I, I need help. My, right here, local public school. He said, my son, four-year-old, has been going to school here. And now, recently I've noticed he's coming home and he's, he's taking on his mom's scarf and wearing it. And he wants to, he's more comfortable with that. He said, I got so scared. He said, I, I brought him to the maktab, to the evening school. I start making him wear a thobe. Make him wear a kufi. He says, no, 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 I don't want a kufi. He's very adamant not to wear a kufi. He said, but bring him to the maktab and bring him to the evening program has helped. But now, he said, I still sometimes watch and find him in, the, in his mom's closet trying out his mom's clothes. Four-year-old. He said, what should I do? I said, it's good you caught it early on. Now, some of us may be sitting there thinking, oh, brother, there's innocent kids, everyone done that. No, no, I'm sorry. If this happened 50 years ago, I wouldn't make a big deal about it. We are in an era where this is part of the system. This is part... One, um, in California, there are some, many places this has been um, being taught in the school system that you are born as a transgender. And there are stickers in the classroom, if your mommy doesn't accept you, we will. If your mommy doesn't accept you, we will. 
It's a massive multi-million, billion dollar industry because every single child who claims to be transgendered and needs a surgery and needs hormonal therapy, millions of dollars are to be made on there. And who's willing to pay that? It's tax dollar, state money. Can you imagine the khabatha, the evilness of, this, of people out there who will literally use little kids for the sake of money? To say, yeah, we're going to teach the system to say, you are born like this, and now you have to go change. And if your mommy says no, we love you more than your mommy because you allow, we allow you to express yourself the way we, you want. No, he didn't. That's not his expression. That's your propaganda that has made him confused. He's a little kid, man. Little kid, you can tell him anything. Four or five year old, he can't think for himself. And so my brothers and sisters, fathers and mothers, I ended it last week on the same topic too. Be careful where you send your kids. Don't think it's all innocent. The world is not the world you graduated from college in. It's a very different world. I ask the dads to please speak to your sons and daughters who are in high school. Those of you who are in eighth grade, have a heart-to-heart talk. Son, daughter, what do they teach you in school? Because you have no idea what they teach them in school. Before you put your little four-year-old, five-year-old, speak to the older siblings. Because they know what's happening. They don't maybe talk to you about it because you would never bring it up. But give them an opportunity to speak up. And say, tell me what the sheikh is saying. Is this real? Or is this crazy? Well, you don't have to even ask your son. Just go check online. Read what the syllabus of the school district is. Look at what is going on all around us. We must take care of our educational system. We have to provide solutions within our masjids. We have to provide free or as cheap as possible solutions within our masajid all across America and the West and beyond. You have very educated group of people. We have some of the, the most educated people within our group. MashaAllah from the Muslim community. We have enough men and women who have degrees of all sorts. We have already many successful online programs. We can have lines of Muslim brothers and sisters, boys from six. You don't need to build a multi-million dollar school right now. Go ahead and start working on that. But the b- biggest need is you have a prayer hall that's empty from Fajr to Luhr. 20 people show up for Luhr, then empty till Asr. Use that prayer hall, use that basement, use that side halls, use that gymnasium or whatever you've got, social hall, and have everyone's got a laptop at home. Bring it. 8 to 12. Come for four hours. Do your bring it, register and log on to your homeschool system. There's so many of them out there. And we have many fathers working from home, mothers working from home, professional, well educated moms and dads. Volunteer your time. Your son is also studying And let another three sons study Your daughter is studying Let another ten daughters of the community study Walk around Help answer 8 to 12 you have one session 12 to 4 you have another session You have another group of parents At what cost? At a minimal cost Few hundred dollars a month And you can save your children From subhanAllah This level of indoctrination It really requires someone To stand up from our community And I speak to the brothers Who listen to me here Sisters listen to me here Whichever masjid you are And including this masjid this is something I feel very passionately about right now, that it must be done. We cannot wait for another Islamic school to be built. That some of the Islamic schools in our area already have three to four hundred waiting lists. Some of them, next year's waiting list and the next year is already full. What's going to happen? We have way too large of a Muslim community here across the country and beyond. We cannot wait for another ten years. We will lose. We will 100% lose another generation if we don't wake up. And, so the simp- and we have to make this education as affordable as possible. This education cannot be for the ultra-rich. It has to be for anyone. We have to make it as simple as possible, as achievable as possible. And this is the way that comes to mind. Is that we have parents-led education in the masajid. 
men, women, whoever is there, you can sort it out. You can follow, mashallah, as level of the deen as much as you want. You've got Dhuhr Salah in there. You've got, you can add Islamic studies in there afterwards. You're going to add Quran class in there. You can have morning for 8 to 12 for girls, 12 to 4 for, for boys. Anything. The way I did homeschooling in the 90s, and many people did at home, but it was us and our siblings, so that was our school. St teaching kids at home might not be easy for everyone because of the environment, not, not having enough friends or people to hang out with, or moms and dad both are working. Well, if we all who are concerned about our kids work together, we can create an alternative. And when some people say, but how do I compete with the Olympic-sized swimming pool that my, high, my son's high school has? Well, you can't. I'm sorry, you can't. If that's all you care for, then I'm not talking to you. I mean, you're not my audience. I'm talking to people who say, I care about my child's iman. They can go swimming afterwards anywhere. You can go learn swimming afterwards. You don't have to compare this and say, no, in my high school, I have to have all of this stuff. And if I lose my iman, fine. As long as I got this, 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 this. Then Allah give you and me hidayah, if that's your thought process. But if you care about your children's deen, then really start thinking hard about these issues. Am I saying this is the only solution? No. Some people are very set in their ways, different ways. But I'm just trying to say, if you want to go to the public school route, just please wake up and be extremely vigilant about what's happening. Continuously. Uh, the example I keep on giving is, like you check your oil. If, someone is, if someone's air is good, washer fluid is good, uh, you know, all the other fluids are good, but they don't check the oil, will that work? If you don't check the oil after like eight, nine months, or two years, you haven't checked the oil, you're checking everything else. Eventually, it'll smoke up and burn and you'll have a fire and done, your car is gone. So do not look at your child's external other things. He comes to me for Isha. Alright? He, he's willing to travel with me for Umrah. We, he likes to eat biryani. When mom asks, do you want biryani, Berta? He says, yes, mom, I want biryani. Right? If he asks, mom asks, would you like to eat falafel? He says, I love falafel. That, these are great. These are, mashallah, your cultural, you know, fluids that you got topped off. The key thing is, what do, where do they stand on these controversial? They're not controversial, have been made controversial. These issues of morality, these issues of iman and kufr, you have to check the oil. Keep on checking. You can't check once, in, once a year. Every single day. Because when he comes from 8 hours, 9 hours of school, and then he's on his phone for another 4 or 5 hours, his mind is definitely being indoctrinated. And you don't want to bring him to maktab, you don't want to bring him to Sunday school. People say, Sunday, how is Sunday school going to be enough? You're indoctrinated five days a week. Now you're going to show up for Sunday school for two hours a, day, two hours a week. It's not going to help. And how many high schoolers are excited to come to Sunday school? Right? Yeah, you have to have maktab. You have to take them for detox every day to the masjid. They have to attend the maktab, afternoon, evening classes. Not only they learn Quran, Nazara, Islamic studies, but they will learn tarbiyah, they will learn adab, they will connect in that environment with ulama. We have alhamdulillah maktab over here. Now, there are spots available. There, go find your local masjid. If you're, you know, go see there. Now spots probably be available opening up for the rest of the year. Get your sons and daughters enrolled in that, not just Sunday school. But what did I say? Remember this example, an, an analogy, that you cannot just look at the other fluids. You have to look at your oil. And that oil check is what I'm talking about, iman check. Throw out controversial topics in front of your kids. Every now and then, every couple weeks. See how they respond. Look at the facial expressions. Look at their gestures. Look at their, you know, the way they respond to that. And you'll figure out what's going on. Don't judge things based on what you face value. <laughs> right? It's interesting. We're talking about don't, be, don't judge. Right? SubhanAllah. So it's the opposite thing I'm telling you now. Don't even judge their piety based on the external adherence to the deen. Don't judge their iman based on external 
uh, uh, you know, following of the deen. Because many times, the, the, the cancer has already come in. By the time it spreads to the rest of the body, it takes time. By the time the hair falls off, or by the time the, you know, they, 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 they start losing feeling, and tingle, you know, all this, whatever else, other things are happening. It's, it, that's like absolutely last few weeks. So we are saying, mashallah, the guy, he can talk, he eats, he has an appetite, so there's nothing wrong with him. No, that doesn't necessarily mean that. It could be something very wrong with him. So our children, my kids, your kids, and my own self, my spouse, your spouse, whatever, we constantly have to be checking the level of, of, of iman. What I mean by that? Their viewpoints on all of these issues. Because any of these issues can push a person out of iman. When a person says, I'm sorry, you're so obsessed with this. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Oh, Right? Why are, you, why are we keep on speaking about these issues? What's the big deal? Let anyone do it. I want to do this. So as soon as you're okay with it, it opens up the door for eventually falling into it. When a person ha- loses their hatred or repugnance of sin, not the sinner, but the sin, when that comes out of the heart, then it's just a matter of time that a person, Allah forbid, can fall into actually committing that sin. We ask Allah Azza wa Jalla to grant us faham and understanding of what was said. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala save our progeny, our children from all of these fitan. May Allah open up the eyes of our heart and allow us to see and distinguish right from wrong. May Allah Azza wa Jalla allow us to follow the truth, stay away from the falsehood. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to remain firm and not get swayed by what the public says or what social media says or what uh, uh, people within the Muslim community, progressives may say. Or, and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not allow us to be shy away from uh, speaking the truth, holding on to the truth, even if we're called out, if we're given names by people from the community, from our own families. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to remain steadfast on the truth and loyal to the truth till our last breath. Subhanallah, bihamdihi, subhanakallah, bihamdik. Inshallah, wa la ilaha illa anna astaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Inshallah, we don't have time for Q&A and dhikr today. So, uh, uh, Isha time has changed to 9.45. So we'll, uh, the adhan will be called and salah will begin. Inshallah, next week, if Allah gives us time, and inshallah, we'll finish up next week. Inshallah, we will be finishing up Surah Al-Hajj. Bi'ithinillah ta'ala, we're on the last ruku' next week. And we'll have, uh, you know, uh, dua next week, inshallah. Subhanallah, bihamdi, subhanakallah, bihamdi, inshallah, ilaha ilaha, inshallah, wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.